when I came here, like you said, I was 17. And I thought I knew myself. Um, I didn't really know the road ahead of me. Um, I didn't really know what I don't know. Uh, and I didn't really know, um, you know, much about myself. So um, there's uh, various things happen as me trying to reinvent myself. Hi, I'm Takumbudzi and welcome to the podcast, Two Words with Taku. Now, speaking of reinventing ourselves, this is something I've never done before in this episode, having a special guest host. And I have none other than the amazing Adungwot Manuel interviewing Devin Lewis, who you just heard up front. Now, if you've never heard of Two Words with Taku or this is your first time here, you are most welcome. Essentially, this podcast has been running for about six years and it's a celebration of writing, story and just different people who are part of that community of creating and also just being voices in the community and speaking and advocating. So let me tell you a little bit about Adungwot. She's an experienced communications professional, hands down. She's also a fired up youth advocate and thought leader. And as a bicultural consultant, public speaker, radio host, MC, her passion lies in supporting the community to achieve social cohesion through the elimination of racism, discrimination, and also she loves to promote intergenerational dialogues. So she was perfect for this episode. Look, let me stop talking. Here she is with our two words for this episode. Young Fire. So welcome everyone to Two Words with Taku. So today's show, if anybody hasn't heard, is called Young Fire. And it's an ode to the National Children's Day, which was yesterday. Um, and it's all about, I guess, having a chat about the power of young people and sharing their stories and amplifying their voices in a world of rapidly changing technology. Um, so to help me do that, that's why we've got two chairs. I've got someone um, to help me break that down and chat it up a little bit. Um, if you don't mind helping me welcome our next guest who comes all the way from Guyana and moved to Australia at the age of 17 and has lived in Melbourne um, ever since. This remarkable individual has exemplified the spirit of self-discovery and growth with a robust background in the telco industry as a data geospatial analyst uh, they embarked on a transformative journey, steering their focus towards two foundational pillars that have defined their professional evolution. The first is leadership. Our guest understands that true leadership extends beyond mere authority. It's about nurturing and empowering those under their guidance. Their dedication to community and advocacy has led them uh, to become part of, well, he's the esteemed role are you president? Chapter lead, chapter lead of Blacks in Tech Australia, uh, which is a nonprofit where they champion diversity and inclusion in the tech industry, providing invaluable resources and a safe space for black professionals to connect. And the second is project management and process improvement in technology. He currently is serving as the implementation lead at Coles Group, navigating the complexities of IT projects always striving for optimal results and continuous improvement. In their personal life, this adventurous spirit uh, willingly embraces challenges and discomfort, whether through hiking, camping, bush survival training, or running marathons. Their belief is unwavering. The path to self-actualization -actual demands traversing rugged, less-traveled routes. Their journey, both professionally and personally, is a testament to the transformative nature of boldly venturing into the unknown. 
Please join me in welcoming our guest, Devin Lewis. Welcome, welcome. Um, thank you very much for that introduction. I'm sorry you wrote that, did you? Sure, <laughs> I'll take it, I'll take it. Um, and you're just running marathons and survival and you know, all this amazing stuff. So if, you know, doomsday ever comes around, we know who to yes. hit up, I Learn, guess. Know how to light a fire without a match, yes. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, well, we'll talk more about it, but just to get the show started, yes. can you share more about your transition from Guyana? I mean, the age of 17, mm -hmm. you, you know, you were already basically molded as a human being and then moving to a brand new country. What was that like for you? <laughs> that was terrible. Oh. Was, oh, well, sorry. Honestly, it was, no, it was, I wasn't expecting that. I, <laughs> it was a huge, um, like culture shock. Anybody, most of us have come from another country, um, at the age where you're quite aware of of the life you lived back home and now you're in a different world where everything is it's done differently um coming from guyana and if those who don't know geog geographically that's um in the continent of south america between venezuela and Suriname, above brazil the only english-speaking country in the whole continent though when i was here people didn't understand me so there I was in my country thinking that I speak English, only to feel that when I'm here, uh, there is this whole uh, disparity, if is the word I can use, where I think I was saying the words, but it just couldn't understand me. So a lot of that causes me to lose confidence. Um, and then, you know, there is the whole, uh, the taboo um, black Caribbean African feeling of, you don't really know you're black until you're in Australia. Um, and then that's when you have the, oh, you're from this part of the world. Um, or if you're from, they only hear the America part. They never hear, I'm from South America. So they're like, oh, you like rap and all of that. It's, actually, I do, but like, there's more to me. <laughs> there's more to me than that, you know? And I, I guess, um, so to answer the question, one of the things I try to do is just be more than just a stereotype. Um, so I've worked hard um, and I've had different friends throughout the, um, my tenure here in Australia. Uh, just to try to probably find myself because when I came here, like you said, I was 17 um, and I thought I knew myself. Um, I didn't really know the road ahead of me. Um, I didn't really know what I don't know. Uh, and I didn't really know, um, you know, much about myself. So um, there's uh, various things happen is me trying to reinvent myself and uh, trying to figure out who I am, not as a Guyanese, but as a, um, I guess, an Australian, because that's what I am now. Uh, what does that mean? Um, and how do I want my friends to view me? So there's a bunch of different things, and I've had different kinds of friends in the world, uh, in the world, uh, in, in the country, from around the world, rather. And, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, I've worked really hard to, to try to display the part of me where it's just more than being black. You know, I don't want to be that black friend, you know. Um, and I think I've accomplished that. It took a long time, over a decade, but I think as, as media become more ramp rampant and stories about um, how to be sensitive towards diversity and inclusion, I think the world is kind of catching on to, okay, I see why, you know, he was offended, <laughs> you know, because people were quite relaxed about the things they say and, and rightfully so didn't really have a platform to understand uh, the struggle. So, um, yeah, and it's it's a, it's a journey. Um, I'm not sure if I answered that question, but 
you did in many different ways. And, you mm. know, the reason you're up here today is because, you know, when young people listen to a story like yours, then yeah. they're inspired to be like, okay, I'm not the odd one out. I am navigating these issues, no matter how young or if I was born here or not, just the color of your skin always dictates uh -huh. so many things. And we're constantly fighting stereotypes. So it's a good thing to see, you know, the kind of work you're doing and, you know, just breaking those glass ceilings as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you became chapter lead in Blacks in Tech. So I guess um, you shifted from the telco industry um, to more leadership roles, focusing on diversity and inclusion. Um, how's your background influenced your approach um, to leadership in the tel telco industry? Well, everything actually happens by by accident. <laughs> this is certainly not really planned, and I guess that's the most important thing to understand about life is as much as we might have a roadmap, um, nothing is ever really guaranteed, and nothing is ever often never really worked out. But um, I like to trust that I'm, I'm always in the right place. I'm always in the place I'm supposed to be. Uh, the transition from telco into leadership, and um, it's just a pillar, but leadership can come from being in any position. Um, but uh, how I got into leadership is I was approached by my manager working for the telco company. They were doing some restructuring, as you would telcos go through so much restructuring and he was like i'm moving on to another role and we want somebody to take care of the team during this time and i wasn't quite sure about it because i've had a like a life-changing um event that had happened and i didn't really know if i was in the right mindset but i took the they took on uh the challenge because i just knew that if i didn't do it i probably would regret it so um i was in a space where i was kind of trying to figure out because when you hit at that time I was 27 years of age it was quite a life crisis whatever you want to call it but I wanted to do a bit more and this is when in hindsight I kind of realized that um, the work I was doing was monotonous um, it's one of those jobs where you can come in every day and you just know how the day is going to end nothing else changes you just look at a spreadsheet and you just do your analysis and you pack up and you go home um, and I was tired of that um, I didn't have the emotional intelligence or the self-reflection to actually look within myself and see that something was wrong. But I'm glad that um, he approached me with this position. And this is when I discovered that I really do like um, the leadership aspect. And to the intro, similar to what you said in the intro, um, it's just more than telling people what to do. It's mm -hmm. about empowering people to be the best version of themselves. Um, and, and I really like the variety. And it's hard. That specific um, role was really hard because it was managing my own friends and and that's the hardest thing to do because now you're moving from their level to the level above um, and you're getting to see the issues that happens in the managerial level and then they complaining about it and you just having to go oh it's more than you guys think you know so uh, yeah it's, it's just it's just one of those things kind of um, but I think after that tenure um, I decided to you know, do the role of, of, of doing a Diploma of Leadership and Management just so I can get that foundation of um, how to be a better leader. Um, as much as I learned a lot on the fly, um, it was pretty good to have that foundation. Um, and, and, and I guess that kind of spiraled into a few things. Um, yeah, God willing. Mm. So, you know, you managed, uh, I mean, you mentioned that you had to manage friends. That's right. Did you lose friends along the way? Because I know sometimes when you develop a role and people aren't, I guess, 
I don't want to say up to your standards, but in Australia here, I guess they call it tall poppy syndrome, right? Where when you start climbing up, they want to drag you down. So did you lose friends along the way? Um, I kind of mended some friendships okay. um, because I, I robbed people the wrong way um, when I was not in that position. And I think as a, as a means to kind of get their cooperation, it meant that I need to make make great make good with them. Um, so you know, there's a because the the point of that position is just a placeholder while the company restructured. So there's things that I was led to do uh, where people kind of were in, in a position of redundancy. But I guess in the meantime, um, during that time, I kind of managed to um, help people understand the situation and that it just goes both ways. As much as I I'm here to guide you and, and get you to do the job right. I'm trying to fight upstairs to make sure that everybody is um, is having a fair go. And this is this is when I kind of understand the burdens of being a leader. Um, mm. It's a very unforgiving job. Um, people don't understand the sacrifice you do within yourself for the people. They just see the results and they just see what you want to do. Um, and and I guess even though that's an ugly part of leadership. I felt that I still wanted to do it, and this is when I felt like it's probably for me. Mm. So yeah, it's it's um it's it's no easy feat. Um, I'm surprised that I'm still I'm still close with a lot of people I managed, um, and they're very supportive. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are your words of wisdom or advice for other young people who would like to or should get into those leadership leadership positions but are afraid to take that leap? Um. I guess for starters, it's um, in order before you become a leader, you should probably become a, a great follower. Um, I I certainly in that position wasn't a great follower because I was frustrated within myself. Um, but if you, you know, what goes wrong comes around. Um, so learn how to to follow, um, gain great mentorship, and make sure that you maybe touch base. I guess not everybody will be great mentors, but try try to find a bunch of people who are doing exactly where you, or who are in a place where you want to be and try to get them to help you along the way. Most people will be pretty happy too because a lot of us are egotistical and like to talk about ourselves. So, you know, they'll probably um, be in a position to help you get to where you are. Um, and another position is, um, you know, Technology is everywhere. We have YouTube, Instagram, mm. you know, snippets of little wisdoms that floats around our social media. Um, change your algorithms, you know, view a few pages, follow a few people. There's so many wisdoms out there. Um, and, 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 you know, leadership is never a one-trick pony. There's various types of leadership. Um, and so I, I take, I, I challenge whomever wants to, to be a part of it. It's just to find the person that you like to be a leader. Mind you, they're never always perfect we're living in, in a cancer culture so someone you might follow might be cancelled tomorrow but just understand that um, I digress dreadfully but just make sure you follow people um, for um, compartmentalize their wisdom and not the person it, it helps you through a lot but um, yeah hopefully you yes. manage that that's yeah. great advice because yeah if you can't find a physical mentor online is abundant so with information, information so can always find stuff like that. I struggle because my algorithms just start spiraling into places that's not teaching me anything really. It's you know turning my brain into mush. So I gotta restructure that. But um, you you're the chapter lead of Blacks in Tech. 
which I think is super impressive. Can you tell the peoples what Blacks in Technology Australia is, first of all, in case anyone after tonight wants to join? Well, the I guess before I explain that, I need to talk about the origins of Blacks in Technology. Please. It's a non-for-profit that started in the USA. Um, blacks in the USA is different from Blacks in Australia. I think it's very important to really understand that aspect. Um, but the point of it starting in the USA is because there was a lot of underrepresentation in Blacks in Technology there. Um, so uh, the movement is probably came together to uh, create a strong network, um, create a, a network for mentorship, and um, a free and subsidized education within technology. So you know, with that with that kind of movement, it boomed across America and it made its way around the world. Um, so 2000 and I believe 2000 no, November 2021, it came to Australia. We had our first meeting in uh, February of 2022. Um, I was not a part of that um, foundation uh, mm -hmm. yet. I was just a, a bystander and. It was one of those things where they're trying to uh, define what it means to be black in Australia. Um, the movement is essentially just getting people together um, that, that loves technology, tech enthusiasts, entrepreneurs, um, anybody that works within the tech sector. And um, we're quite fluid with, uh, with all of that. Um, come one, come all. But it's just the whole basis is creating a safe space for black people in technology. And, um, and whatever black means in Australia, um, we'll have it. Mm -hmm. um, what does black mean? Well, it's a question, huh? Yeah. Um, African, Caribbean descent, um, indigenous, Torres Strait Islanders, it's you just name it. Um, it it's harder to define here. Um, yeah. It's easy to define in, um, in, in the USA, obviously, because they have a black and white definition for that. Mm -hmm. Pun mm -hmm. intended. So, how did you get into the whole becoming the chapter lead? Not just one of the members, but, you know, climbing your way climbing. up top there. Yeah. I, uh, I, um, <laughs> I, I went to one of the events and I had a lot of feedback, <laughs> a lot of feedback uh, to which one of the members said, this guy will be great. Maybe he should become a member. It's just as easy as that. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool. I see you guys did this, this, and this. It's probably not the best way to do it. Um, sometimes okay. I have, I have a structured way of how things should run because I like to build from the foundation upwards. And, um, and, and I, I can tell when people are taking, not, not saying this, but there's, there's minuscule shortcut. I have a very, my brain works in, I have really great pattern recognition. Um, so like if you deviate from a certain behavior, I know something is up. So it's just, but anyways, I digress. Um, so I, I went to one of the events, which was absolutely great. And I was like, hey, guys, maybe we can do things a bit better in mm -hmm. these areas. And um, they invited me. Uh, so this was after June 2000, uh, June, May, May, May 2022. And we held our, our first event in June of that year. And I hosted um, a year after one of the, the chapter lead then. Um, mm -hmm. He needed to step away from blacks and technology for personal reasons. Um, his his um, career has um, traject taken off. Mm -hmm. That's the word mm -hmm. I'm looking for. And he's had a new baby, so that's a whole lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I unanimously unanimous, unanimously got voted in, and that was um, January of this year. And I was quite scared. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, 
grateful and scared. Pardon me. Yeah. yeah no, but, it's but mostly scared. I like that you said you're scared because yeah. it's a very honest feeling and. Whenever you start something new, I think that's what holds a lot of people back is that fear Certainly. and being like, they want to be 100% sure, 100% confident mm-hmm. um, before taking those leaps. But sometimes you just have to jump and then the universe catches you. And I think that's a huge thing to take away Certainly. from this conversation today. Um, what steps or initiatives do you believe are crucial uh, in fostering an environment that empowers young people, uh, particularly those from underrepresented communities, to thrive and excel Especially, I guess, let's say in the tech world and the tech field. Yeah, a great many things, um, and uh, yeah, there's no one way. Um, and uh, for starters, uh, let's let's start by surrounding yourself with the people that you probably want to be like. You know, if you're in technology, I'm sure you can find yourself in um, various groups. And the 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 term young people that's the whole age range yeah. so um with with me i can only talk to young adults um and I, I don't really think i have the qualifications to talk about kids but uh you can probably if you have the privilege um accessibility and um and the, the ability to finance yourself you can probably um, find yourself in any space you like uh, whether it's a meetup um and the internet is such such a large and endless repository of knowledge. So um, anything you want to learn, you can probably do it for free um, if you have the patience to and taking into con- um, account how different people's learning abilities. Um, but, but yeah, you know, certainly a lot has changed mm. <laughs> between um, in the last 18 years. And I when I came here, we had a Nokia brick uh, and now we're and touch screens and you know they're saying cell phones will soon be obsolete because it'll be a thing in our hand and we can oh, don't say that yeah it's gonna be crazy so um to answer your question uh, information is everywhere um it depends on what we want from it and if it's a bit overwhelming there's always chat gbt just ask it what you want and it will find you i don't know if i answer that question it's um no. it's a very very large question in terms of like so many angles uh, yeah. going back to the first response mentors um you can follow various pages and people who are doing what you want to do um and, and any programs that are out there if you have the ability mm-hmm. if you have the privilege i need to always mention that because we can't assume that everybody has our privilege to go and do things um because yeah. life is never that easy I'll add to that as well, networking. And it's in whatever field Mm -hmm. that you're into. Um, Do a bit of a Google search, see what's going on. You know, guaranteed there'll be some event that's free where people just go and hang out and, you know, eat some nibbles and meet new people. And that can be a scary affair too, but that's, you know, one of the leaps of faith you have to take because you never know who you'd meet there. That might just open a whole bunch of doors and yeah. Let's let's mention that you do a lot of great work in the community as well. Um, so you you know, you've done a lot of great work in terms of the youth aspect. Um, I, I we talked earlier backstage backstage, <laughs> by the bar backstage about like um, the event that you held at um, is it RMIT or Melbourne Uni Library? Thing? It wasn't at the library. Where was, it was it called? Um, sorry, my memory is so bad. I can see it in my head, in my mind. Yeah, it was um, that 
know, it's not an art center. It's somewhere. It's a, it's, but it was a, it was like a youth conference. That's it, yeah. Um, for an organization. So I mean, I enjoy doing stuff to do with youth empowerment and youth development. Uh -huh. But whenever people ask me, "What do you do?" I actually don't. I make up like titles every other day because I work for myself, so I can. <laughs> um, and but like ideally, it's just what do I like to achieve, which uh -huh. is empowerment, whether it's, you know, with um, mothers, African mothers in the community, young people, people of color. And that looks like a great deal of things, you know, whether it's media, um, doing podcasting and whatnot, or hosting things like this, or writing reports. Uh -huh. So it's not necessarily a job. And I think that's how people should also um, tackle the world. It's like finding your purpose and your passion, and then what modality that takes form in comes next, you know what I mean? So it's like, if you want to be an accountant, great. But it's like, oh, I love numbers. What can I do that brings that forward? And so many things open up for you and you're not stuck necessarily in one specific space. So that's kind of how I enjoy seeing the world. But yeah, no, I really struggle to yeah. let people know what it is that I do because I, I don't even know. I'm just out here doing Fair things enough. sounds like the best way to live and also yeah. it's great to mention if you have the privilege we could want to do the things we want to do but if you've got a single household income and you're and you have three kids you probably can't afford to quit your job and do whatever so once again if you have the privilege to it's important to really stress that that's true that's yeah. true all right now i'd like to you know um is it digress mm -hmm. from the professional life okay to your personal life no way <laughs> yes, way. Um, so, you know, like you said, you hike. I know you said you run marathons. What's the longest marathon you've run, by the way? A marathon is cut off at 43 kilometers. Anything above that is an ultra marathon. So, 43 kilometers. They might even go 43 point something, but it's usually 43 kilometers. You ran the whole way without stopping? No way. I stopped. Oh. I cramped up like... <laughs> The first one I did, um, this was in 2017. It's known as a Nike marathon. Now it's the it was the Medibank marathon back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, um, and I I hate Melbourne because sometimes Melbourne is cold, and then sometimes Melbourne decides to shine. And that day particularly was so hot. Um, so I kind of run nonstop for 21 kilometers, 21, 22 kilometers. Just, just. And then cool you know, and 22. then yeah, that's just casually running. You know, my phone died and. You know, I had to run quiet. My ankle, my calf and everything cramped up and I couldn't run. So I had to walk over 22 kilometers to the um, race, uh, to the finish line. So that was fun. Um, if you want to run a marathon, um, <laughs> the best one to run mm. in the country of Australia is the Gold Coast Marathon. It's flat all the way. Oh. It's so flat. So the only thing you have to deal with is perhaps the wind. But um, yeah, if the hills really kill you running. But, but you know, don't mm. let me just bore you with that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if you remember the first time we met, Okay. um, that was at the thing that you just mentioned, I hosted mm -hmm. and, um, he was saying something about, oh, he had a marathon to run the following day. I asked like, what's the plans for the weekend? He's like, oh, I'm just running a 10 K marathon or something. And I told him, oh, I just ran for the first time in a long time. And I did about 500 meters and threw up. And then he's like, oh, cool. Started from the bottom and you're still there. Do you <laughs> Well, yeah, that, that was our first meet. <laughs> you don't remember that? Okay. Of course not. Like... 
So, yeah, that it was... sounds like something I would say. <laughs> that was our first encounter. I don't know why I felt like even sharing that I just threw up the other day from running what I did. Um, oh, my God. Does, does, you know, like, your running, your hiking, your bush survival and all that jazz, does it contribute, I guess, to the discipline you need to have in terms of, you know, your professionalism and your professional life? Yeah, um, the running particularly does actually give a lot of life lessons, um, especially talk about resilience. Um, I could have given up when I cramped up at 21 kilometers and just go, like, there is so much David Goggins would call demons that come into your head and be like, why are you doing this? You know, mm -hmm. you should just quit. But like resilience um, to just push through the pain and the discomfort all the way to the finish line, I think is very important. It just tells to life is never a flat, a flat um, surface. Life is up and down. And times when you just go through things and be like, I don't know if I'm going to get through it. Um, like Les Brown says, if you know who he is, it's like you're either going through a storm, in a storm, or getting out of one. So that's that's life in a in a way. Um, and then there's other things, life lessons that running particularly taught me is that, <clears throat> you know, run your own race. Um, <laughs> there's plenty of times that people that I don't expect to run past me really do, um, and you just go, how is this person even faster than me? But you need to understand that they're they're running their race um, and you just probably have to stick to your own plans no matter uh, what everybody else around you is just really humbling um, especially when you're often living on Instagram and we see everybody traveling overseas and having the best time of their life and you're like why is this person winning um, but it's just you know you just keep, have to trust whatever you set out for your life the decisions you make uh, just stay the course keep you know working your plan because um, sometimes you end up passing people and then they turn to you and be like, oh my God, you're so amazing. How did you do it? And little did they know that they were the ones you were envying, mm. you know, before. So, um, yeah. And yeah, that's it. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, besides race, you just fail so many times. You like, you know, you just have to keep telling yourself you'll yeah. get through this. That's so true. And yeah, it applies to real life, right? That's we're not right. running or... We're not running a um, sprint. Yeah, we're not in competition with the next person. We should be competing against Real ourselves sports. and our yeah. yesterday selves to continue bettering. Mm. So just to kind of close this up. Um, oh, I was having fun. I wanted I know, to be here oh, for another hour. I mean, hour. we're not done yet. <laughs> Given your adventurous spirit and willingness to embrace challenges, yeah. in what ways do you think young individuals can be encouraged to view discomfort, obstacles, or failures as opportunities for learning and growth? Uh, well, yeah, I guess it's a continuation of the previous question. Mm -hmm. um, my response to the previous question is kind of like um, something my mom used to say, um, this too will pass, no matter whether you're having a good time or a bad time. You know, it's, you know, enjoy, enjoy the journey because, um, you know, a moment that you're waiting for lasts a second. But I guess the, the journey in a the way, they're just filled with lots of ups and downs, but just try to take it in strides. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, this is a, a great many things, you know, um, mm. yeah, I guess I'm not sure if I answered that question, but if you want, you can elaborate a bit more. No, 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 that's it. Yeah. Just this too shall pass. That's literally my life motto when mm. I do absolutely nothing. And instead of feeling like crap about myself, I'm like, oh, tomorrow's another day. Like be yeah. kind, be kind to yourself. That's I right. Think. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I guess, you know, mm. uh, there's a lot of people out there that, 
um, are cheerleaders to people in your life, and rightfully so. But you need to be a cheerleader to yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't don't you. let the noise up there just bring you down. Certainly. Anyways. Loved it. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. My name is Devin <laughs> Lois. Well, we're not yeah. done yet. Oh. I'm, I'm done. Oh, you're done. Asking you the questions, but I'd like to open oh, it yeah. up to the floor. If anybody had any questions for um, Devin Lewis here. <laughs> hey, it's me again. And I'm just jumping in because I need to let you know when we recorded this episode, it's in a very intimate space and we didn't have a roving mic on the night for the audience to be able to ask questions. So because you can't quite hear their questions, I'm going to let you know what they asked and then I'll throw back to Devin and Adongot. So for this first question, somebody in the audience asked, what's something that you like or love about the Guyanese culture? The Guyanese culture is in various parts. Um, so we've got a lot of influence from Jamaica, where, you know, well, musically, um, that's, that's one part. Uh, we grew up with a lot of calypso, which is the one they play in a steel pan. It's more of a poetic way of singing. And then there's the reggae. We're talking about the old school reggae. They don't do, they don't do a lot of that now. Um, this is the Bob Marley era. Uh, then there is the dance hall. And this is the one you might hear from, you know, uh, Vibes Cartel, De, uh, I couldn't say DeVito, but I just remember that's not really, no. that is not Jamaican. He's no. um, Movado, that's the one, so almost song like Movado. Um, and then there is also uh, music from Trinidad and Tobago, which is um, Soka. So because we're part of the Caribbean, it's um, like saying you're in Europe, we have the same kind of history being that we were colonized by the British. Um, so we have almost the same accent. I don't sound Jamaican, there's a Guyanese accent. Um, and because of our history, we have a lot of Indian people in Guyana as well. Um, you're shaking your hand like you already know this. Exactly. Um, so we have a, a lot of diverse food. Um, I, it's only recently, because I went back home for the first time in 10 years last year, and I was saying to one of my friends who was from India, I was like, we got a sweet called Mithai, and she was like, oh, that's Hindi for sweet. I was like, whoa, I did not even know that. Um, and so we have a lot of diverse food from India. We've got African dishes and we have um, a lot of Chinese dishes as well. Um, and it's just tell uh, towards the diversity of the um, country. Um, and I think um, I'll stop there because I can only remember. Um, that's all the good parts I can remember. On to the next question. What's your one piece of advice for someone who's also migrated like you to fit or assimilate? Assimilate, that's a really good word. I was going to say, why fit in? You know, be different. Yeah. Um, assimilation can happen by, first of all, identifying uh, what's the things you want to do? Um, what are you already interested in? Um, do you have the privilege of accessibility and affordability to do the things you love here? Um, like accessibility, like for example, if you're into sport, you know, can you easily access the facilities to play that sport? And can you afford to play that sport? That's another thing. Um, I had another thought, but it was overwritten by my rant just previously then. Um, um, but, you know, there is um, now more than 18 years ago, a lot more cultural gatherings. So if whatever community you want to find, you can probably find that on Facebook. I'm sure it's a Facebook group of, you know, I don't think there's a lot of Guyanese groups. Um, but we do have a Caribbean Victoria organization we're trying to restart, but I digress. Um, Yes, yeah, so understand what you love to do, understand who you are and, and who you want to grow into as well. Um, I think that's a really great foundation. 
um, because if you don't know where you want to go, any road will get you there, and probably the destination would not be the destination you'd want. So, um, yeah, so just a rehash, um, figure out what you want to do and see if you can actually afford and access the things you want to do, figure out who you are and who you want to become, um, find your community, wherever that means. Um, it could just not necessarily be cultural, or it could just be a community of, I don't know, bobsledders. Is that a thing in here? I don't know. Um, or whether figure skating or whatever you like to do. Um, and find a community of writers. That's a good thing. Mm. Two words. Um, podcast. There you go. Um, yes, great place this to community. Start. Yeah, this is a great community. Um, so, yeah, did I answer your question? Thank you. Uh, Amazing. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, I saw and... a hand over there. Oh, is there... Yes, please. And another question from the audience, from Kelly, who, by the way, had notes and was just on fire. We love you, Kelly. We see you. Kelly wanted to know from Devon, can you share if you also experience imposter syndrome throughout your leadership journey? And if so, what strategies or approaches do you find effective in addressing or overcoming that? Yeah. Um, imposter syndrome. I don't think I've ever, or maybe I just don't really know what it truly feels like. Sorry, this is when I said I was scared about... When I moved here, or are scared about no, blacks and technology? Oh, yes, of course. Um, oh, yeah, this, the scary part is, obviously, um, is that imposter syndrome when you're like, I know this is what I want to do, but I am not sure if I can do it at yes. the ability. You know yeah. Oh, well, that's the thing. Like that's the thing. It's kind of like I'm, I'm throwing in a deep end. Um, maybe I just didn't. It's like that self-doubt, like, you Okay, know, yeah, so there it is. Yeah, yeah it was, it was, yeah, it's like, will I be supported? Um, and do I have the tools to pull this off? And one of the things that I'm better with now than then was public speaking. So obviously I'm speaking on towards, you know, a group of people and all of that. So that was something that was very, that makes me very anxious. It's like, well, maybe I need to stand in front of a group of strangers and address them like I am tonight. So... Um, yeah, a lot of the fear comes from, yeah, okay, maybe imposter syndrome is what you'd call it. Um, and, but I guess the reassurance came from the team saying, look, we'll support you in wherever uh, you need. And they have been absolutely fantastic throughout. Um, and I'm grateful for a lot of them. You know, uh, there's, I wouldn't have been able to do it without my team. And I would never take the credit for everything, you know. Kelly had another question. From your professional experience in technology, how do you think people of color can better maximize the benefits of technology in our daily and professional lives? From what I've observed in the last couple of years, it is actually growing, but it, it's, still, it's still newer. Um, a lot of people are drawing towards the um, cybersecurity side. Um, but yet again, there, like you said, there is a reluctance uh, to get onto technology as as readily as other as other people, um, because it seems to be very overwhelming. And a lot a lot of people don't trust it. For example, I got a friend that works for a finance um, company, and she helps small businesses around the way. And she wants to, she would make time to try to like meet up with these businesses. Um, black businesses specifically to help them with their um, loans and all of that to help improve the way they do business. But they have like a reluctancy to trust even people that looks like them that's trying to sell them a service. It's almost as if they are doing her a favor, but it's kind of like, well, no, I have this thing to benefit. So I say all of that to say that there is still a 
um, uh, there's, there's still a, um, I'm looking for, the word I'm looking for is reluctance or just unsurety, I'm going to use that simple word, about what it is and where it's going and how it can benefit them. But um, with the newer generation, everybody is, is being forced to kind of adapt early. Um, yeah, because a lot of the people who are uh, in technology or the people that I meet at my, um, my events, and they're probably late 20s, um, early 30s and upwards. So um, I think the people who come thereafter would be far more open-minded than the ones that, that are or is or am right now. Before I get you off the stage, Devin, do you want to throw us one of your best jokes? I have no best jokes, but here's a dumb one. Go on. My, my stock will seriously plummet to zero, <laughs> and anybody that's invested in me up until then will lose all of your money. All right, I need help from the crowd. Knock, knock. Yeah. Cardi B. Cardi B who? <laughs> That's it. All right. Thank you so much, Devin. I hate you all (laughs) for making me do this. You gave it a go. Thank you so much. We really appreciated your insights today and your words of wisdom um, to young people and about technology and um, I guess how to just take leaps of faith even when you're riddled with fear. Um, So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Eddie uh, and Taku, for having me. Thank you very much to the audience and everybody who will be viewing this. And um, if you meet me in the streets, just pass me straight. Please don't talk to me. Oh. I'm joking. Ask, ask for autographs. I'm joking. Just say hi. Yes. Thank you very much. Yes, if you ever see him on the streets, say hello. But if you'd also like to say hello to us and the people behind Two Words with Taku, we are at twowordswithtaku.substack.com and you can find us on all the usual social media apps, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And yeah, we can't wait to say hi to you too. See you next time. Bye.